Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews with your host, Aaron Martell. Hello there, I'm Aaron Martell and welcome to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews, a podcast where I talk about and review a rock album of my choice. Today I'm flying solo, no co-pilots, but if you're listening and you're interested in coming on the show to review an album with me, I'm always on the lookout for co-pilots to host a podcast with me. There's a couple of ways to get in touch with me, which I'll go over at the end of the show. So this is episode four, and today I'm reviewing John Lennon's 1970 debut solo album, John Lennon Plastic Ono Band. Prior to this, after the Beatles broke up, And if you don't know who the Beatles are, what fucking planet did you come from? John had released three experimental avant-garde albums with his girlfriend and later wife Yoko Ono that sucked donkey balls. They also put out a live album that pretty much blows too. So this was John's first true proper solo record. John Lennon, where do I begin? Well, I knew he was in the Beatles. In my very early 20s, I became a big fan of them. But his solo stuff... I'd heard a few songs on the radio that were hits. You know, Imagine, Just Like Starting Over, Watching the Wheels, Jealous Guy. But it never occurred to me to seek out a John Lennon album, as I'd heard that most of the Beatles' solo music was shit. Then around 1992 or so, I bought a thick book called The Rolling Stone Album Guide. It was an encyclopedia of album reviews of most of the popular musical artists of the 20th century. And say what you will about Rolling Stone magazine... At that time, it was a respected home of music criticism. So I'm flipping through this album guide, looking for albums that had five-star reviews, and I came across Plastic Ono Band. I thought, John Lennon? Really? But the review for this record was gushing, so I decided to give it a try. I bought the CD, brought it home, and listened to it, and it blew me away. I had an immediate connection to it, and I've been listening to it ever since. And that's how I discovered this record, the Rolling Stone album guide. Huh. Go figure. Now I'll give you some stats about Plastic Ono Band pulled straight off of Wikipedia, the world's go-to source of news and information. John Lennon Plastic Ono Band is the debut studio album by English rock musician John Lennon, released on December 11, 1970 on the Apple label. It was produced by John Lennon, Yoko Ono, and Phil Spector, and recorded from September 26 to October 23, 1970 at Abbey Road Studios, London, England, and Ascot Sound Studios, Sunning Hill, Berkshire. It reached number 8 on the UK Albums Chart and number 6 on the US Billboard 200 Chart and is certified gold by the RIAA. Now I'm going to go ahead and give you the lineup card for this album. We've got John Lennon on vocals, acoustic and electric guitars, piano and keyboards, Ringo Starr on drums, and Klaus Wurman on bass. Phil Spector and Billy Preston played piano on certain tracks. All songs on the album were written by John Lennon. Now why don't we just dive in on the track-by-track analysis. First up, we have Mother. Mother, you had me, but I never had It 
starts off with four harsh, jarring bell tones, leading into a sparse piano, bass, and drum musical foundation with John singing in an anguished, almost pleading voice. The words are all drawn out as John calls out his parents, who both abandoned him in different ways as a child. His father, Alf, was a merchant seaman and, <laughs> seaman, and left John as an infant, while his mother, Julia, gave him to be raised by her older sister, Mimi. Julia and John maintained a good relationship that was said to be more brother-sister than mother-son, until Julia was hit and killed by a car driven by a drunk, off-duty policeman when John was 17. These experiences were brought to the surface when John and Yoko underwent primal therapy with Dr. Arthur Janov, Yanov, I don't know how to pronounce it, and inspired John to write this album and this song. You can hear the real pain in John's voice as he sings over and over, Mama, don't go, Daddy, come home, until he's reduced to screaming the words out at the top of his lungs as the song fades. It's powerful and emotional, and I get chills every time I hear it. It stirs up emotions in me just like it did him. Heartbreaking. This song kills me. Next up, we have Hold On. Hold on, John. John, hold on. It's gonna be alright. You're gonna win the fight. Hold on, Yoko. Yoko, hold on. It's gonna be alright. Another sparse arrangement, well, the whole album is sparse, really, with just guitar, bass, and drums, and lyrics that express that if John, Yoko, and the world can just hold on and not give up, everything's gonna be alright. It's about living and cherishing every moment we have in life. John plays a tremolo guitar that gives a more positive vibe to the song than the emotionally heavy first song, and Ringo plays the drums with a light touch. There's a point in the song where John, out of nowhere, goes, Cookie! in a deep voice. I don't know what the fuck it means, though I read that it was inspired by Cookie Monster from Sesame Street. I don't know. Whatever the inspiration, it's pretty cool. I like this song a lot. The third song is I Found Out. John flexes his rock muscles, and his guitar adds a low, scratchy element to the rolling rhythm section that propels the song forward. John's vocals come across as angry, as he blasts false beliefs and fake idols and basically wants you to wake up and think for yourself. It's a theme he returns to time and again on this album, and is basically a scathing commentary on the religions and spiritualists of the 60s he saw as bullshit at the time. Regardless of your views on this touchy subject matter, it comes couched in a tough rock song, and I dig it. Moving on to track number four, we have Working Class Hero. A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be They hurt you at home, and they hit you at school It's just John singing and playing a simple chord progression on an acoustic guitar, which to me sounds a lot like Masters of War by Bob Dylan. This one really is about the lyrics and the way John delivers them. 
He's commenting on the differences in social classes and the ways in which the lower classes are kept in check. It also points out the ways in which authority, whether it's parental or societal, keeps their position and stamps down on the little guy. John's singing is restrained and fairly emotionless except in the choruses. A working class hero is something to be. Whether he's being sarcastic or earnest is debatable. It must have been shocking to hear this at the time it came out, especially in the U.S. John says the word fucking twice. Bad John. It took him over a hundred takes to record this, and even then the final version is spliced together from two separate takes. This is one of the better known tracks on the album, probably the best known, and is one of John's greatest political songs. I think it's phenomenal. The next track, track five, is Isolation. The world is just a little town Everybody trying to put us down John plays piano and Hammond organ on this one, with only drum and bass accompaniment. There's a lot of space in this song and gives the mood of being alone. The lyrics express that even though he and Yoko are rich and famous, they have feelings of isolation and loneliness just like anyone else. Maybe even more so as they're trapped by their fame and can't live their lives like normal people. Don't judge a book by its cover. They felt attacked for their political stances and activism. But John acknowledges that people aren't really to blame and we're all a part of this fucked up world. In the middle section, John's voice is double-tracked and his voice becomes more passionate. This song was covered by many artists and is one of the many standouts on the album, I Love It. We flip the record over or play track six and we get Remember. has John banging a staccato rhythm on the piano, and the beat chugs consistently along. The lyrics reflect that when we're kids, we're given this fantasy world by our parents, and the realities of real life are hidden away. That parents, and all people in life for that matter, are playing roles. What's that Shakespeare quote? All the world's a stage, and all the men and women are players, something like that. The tempo changes in the bridge, and the lyrics reflect that the past is the past, and we can't change it, so don't dwell on it and remember to live today. The final verse mentions the 5th of November, which is a reference to Guy Fawkes Night, a holiday in Britain celebrating the arrest on November 5th, 1605, of Guy Fawkes, who was part of a plot to kill King James. The holiday is celebrated with fireworks, and this song ends abruptly with the sound of an explosion in tribute to the fireworks. <laughs> When I first heard Remember, I had my headphones on and I was startled because I wasn't ready for that loud explosion. I dig this tune and so far we're six for six. The next track is simply called Love. Love is real. Real is love. Love is feeling. Feeling 
Phil Spector plays a pretty piano part, and John comes in with his acoustic guitar and tender vocals. This is as straightforward as it gets. John communicates with simple language that love, especially between two people, is wanting and needing and touching and being free with the other person. It's obviously inspired by Yoko, and whether you like Yoko or not, and I like her not, she was clearly John's great muse at the time. This song is fragile, warm, and heartfelt. Phil's piano ends the song the way it began, and there you have it. It's a beautiful song. We move on now to track eight, Well, Well, Well. This is the other hard rocker on the album, beginning with John playing a distorted electric guitar riff, Ringo playing a thumping kick drum, and Klaus Fuhrman thumping along to it on bass guitar. The song settles into a tough rocking groove, with Ringo playing some ass-kicking drums and the others bashing it out along to him. Lyrically, all I really get from the song is John hanging out with Yoko going about their day, talking about plans they'd like to make to change or help the world, and feeling guilty for the privilege they enjoy with their status and wealth. I don't know, maybe I'm off base. If you know what the fuck this song is about, why don't you contact me and let me know? In the middle of the song, John gets more hyped, singing well, until he screams his primal therapy ass off again. The song sort of resets after that to a final verse and chorus. John Lennon rocking his balls off. Aw, yeah. Track nine is next, and that's Look At Me. Look at me. supposed to be who am I supposed to be look at me what am I supposed to be what am I supposed to be another pretty little ditty the tune is played on acoustic guitar with a strumming pattern that reminds me of Dear Prudence from the Beatles White Album John learned this finger picking technique from Donovan the guy who sings Mellow Yellow in Sunshine Superman John has a light touch on his double-track vocal, as apparently he sings to Yoko again about seeing him as he truly is. It seems to be about loving and respecting your partner for who he or she is inside, instead of the surface persona we all adopt for the outside world. This sparse, simple song was written in 1968, when John was in India and was intended for the White Album, but he never recorded it at the sessions. He brought it back for this album, and it's a lesser tune in my opinion, but still enjoyable. John does pretty songs pretty damn well. The penultimate song on the album is titled God. God is a concept by which we measure our pain. Yeah. Pain. Yeah. This song basically is structured in two sections. The first section has a slow rolling piano played by Billy Preston and the rhythm is loose but not out of control. John twice sings the line, God is a concept by which we measure our pain. Then the music shifts into slow descending lines which quickly ascend back up and repeat themselves. 
while John goes over a long list of people and ideas he doesn't believe in. Included in this list are religious icons, philosophical concepts, and musical figures, ending with an emphatic, I don't believe in Beatles. Then he simply says, I just believe in me, Yoko and me, and that's reality. The first musical section returns as John fully extricates himself from his past. I was the Dreamweaver, now I'm reborn. I was the walrus, but now I'm John. He lets the world know that the dream is over and we all just have to carry on. It's a stirring declaration of rejecting the boxes that human beings create and put themselves into and emphasizing your own self-reliance and putting faith in yourself. This song strongly resonates with me. For you listeners out there who have religious convictions, I respect your right to believe in whatever you wish to each his or her own. I myself am a firm non-believer and although this song is not an atheist manifesto, I applaud that John had the guts to say what he thinks about the cult of personality that religions, power, and celebrity produces. This was one of the most famous people on the planet, saying some controversial things that could and did get him ridiculed and despised in some circles. Well, fuck those circles if they can't handle a man who had an extraordinary soapbox speaking his truth. As you can probably guess, this is my favorite track on the record, and one of my favorite songs ever written. It had to take a beetle for something like this to make the impact it did, just like when John said that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus way back when. Again, I mean to offend no one, but this is my review show, this is my opinion, and this is how this song affects me. If you are offended, you can tell me to go fuck myself, and you can fuck yourself too. This song cuts me to the bone, and I feel it's a masterpiece. We've come to the final track on the album, My Mummy's Dead. This is a short little snippet of a song where John sounds like he's calling in on a telephone the sound is so muffled. He plays a simple guitar with a chord progression reminiscent of the Kitty song Three Blind Mice, and he sings in a flat tone, as if all his emotions have been sucked out of him. It's a sobering closer after the grand statements made in the previous song. John misses his mother, and that very real pain never goes away. Though I do like this song and wouldn't remove it, just the fact it seems tacked on the end of the record, it sounds so distant, makes this Aaron Stinky Stinker my least favorite song on the album. And so the record ends on this sad and hollow note. That's it for the track by track. So now it's time for my album rating. It ranges from a zero, meaning the album is so bad it's not good enough to scrape off your shoe, to a five, which would make it one of my favorite records of all time. John Lennon was my favorite Beatle, and an interesting character to say the least. He was one of the greatest popular songwriters in history, and his musical talents were gargantuan. He also had a very contradictory personality, and his actions could often be seen as quite hypocritical if you know anything about the way he lived his life. I'm not going to go into detail about that aspect of it, but it's interesting to note that after the breakup of the Beatles, the first musical statements he made were so reviled that when he finally released this album, his first proper solo record, it only went gold. And this came out under a year from the Beatles' breakup. John Lennon was enigmatic, perplexing, and even exasperating at times. 
but I think that this album gives a peek into the real man beneath that public identity, a man with deep feelings of pain, loss, and insecurity. Freed from the shackles of being in the Beatles, where to be fair, towards the end he was writing more personal songs, here John was able to tune into something genuine deep inside him with the help of his therapy, and these songs came out. There are no bells and whistles, no adornments or special effects. John Lennon gives us a glimpse of his soul, and it was stark, sparse, and jolting. This is easily one of my favorite records, and I give it a five. There is so much information out there in every media platform about the Beatles, it's staggering to think about. There are also about a zillion podcasts about them, too, and I don't listen to all of them, but I want to give a shout-out to two in particular that I enjoy. The first is called Completely Beatles, where the hosts go into detail about each Beatles album in order of release. It's a Beatles musical history lesson in podcast form. The other podcast is Alphabetical, where the entire Beatles catalog is broken down one track per episode in alphabetical order. The hosts on the show are funny and do bad British accents, so they have that going for them as well. Both podcasts have finished their runs, so there's no new episodes coming out, but they are still out there for any Beatles fan to enjoy. I dig them both. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast on iTunes, so if you're an Apple user and you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it there. If you take the time to do that, I'll follow the lead of many other podcasts and read your review right here on the show. For you Android users, the podcast is available on Stitcher. You can leave comments and reviews there, too. If you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at Ridiculous Rock Records, one word, RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com, and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page. I'm also always on the lookout for album suggestions for me to review and for co-pilots to come on the podcast and host the show with me. Feel free to leave all of your comments and or suggestions at any of those places. Next week will be another Siblings on Record show where I review an album with my sister Shannon on a permanent basis. And if you have feedback and suggestions to give about that branch of the podcast, you can leave that at all the places I just described. And lastly... Here at R4, we thank you so much for giving this podcast a listen, and a massive thank you if you like and support the show. Take care, and I'll catch you later. John had released three experimental avant-garde albums with his girlfriend and later wife, Yoko Ono, that sucked donkey balls. Hello, this is John Lennon. Yoko and I would like to invite you to pick up our album Two Virgins, where we're both naked on the cover. Look at that. You see my winky?